All righty. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Collective. I'm your host, Chris Perry, with your co-host, Mike White. Mike, what you got to drink today? Like the uh, the true animal that I am, the first liquid to enter my body today has been a caffeine-free Diet Coke. Not setting a good example. I usually tell people to have water first thing when they wake up. Um, but I rolled out of bed. I brushed my teeth, took the dog out, and walked my ass to the fridge and opened a caffeine-free Diet Coke because I don't know how to make good life choices aside from omitting the caffeine because if I have too much caffeine, I will simply enter an anxiety-induced psychosis and end up in a padded room if I have more than about 100 milligrams right now. Wow. I... Yeah, it's, it's it's very strange. It's a very big you know switch from about six months ago where I could be having a gram of caffeine a day and I'd sleep like a baby. If I have caffeine after about 1 p.m., I might as well have taken like a modafinil and I won't sleep. Oh, okay. It's pretty intense. That Yeah, that's I went through a similar phase like two or three months ago where I would just get wildly overstimulated off of anything yeah i couldn't take, i couldn't take pre-workout i couldn't do anything of the sorts but now i'm back into what i would refer to as my my possum era as i am entirely feral and <laughs> <laughs> this is the drink that i'm currently having and, and i do recommend it in a certain regard um go to starbucks and get an iced uh flat white with almond milk blonde espresso specifically five shots um jesus christ two pumps of sugar-free vanilla, one stevia, and cinnamon powder. This is not prep-friendly. Do not have this during a show prep. Talk to your coach. But in the off-season, it's not that bad when it comes to like, the caloric value of this as a whole. How, how much uh, is it? Uh, I like, want to... Like 100, 200 calories, something like that? It's about 100. Dep- again, it, it's also user error. That's the People don't realize that. Like It also just depends what the barista decides they want to do. Um, mm-hmm. Like one time... And I actually was going to make a post about it. I usually try to make my coffee at home because I went, I got like, I usually get like two pumps of sugar-free vanilla and I went to the Starbucks. I ordered on the app. I got there early and I was just standing in line waiting and I watched the girl literally put eight pumps in. Nice. Like and like, See, now that's the coffee I want. I want my coffee to be either plain black or sweet enough to the point where you don't know what you're drinking anymore. <laughs> I I used to be that way. Like I used to like I was like six, seven pumps of sugar free vanilla and like five stevia, right? Like stupid yeah, sweet. Badass. Yeah, that's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> badass. Um, but now it's like I've gotten less like sugar dependent, I guess you could say. Like I, I'm trying to not necessarily like scratch that itch as often, especially like artificially. Because I've found like the second I drink drinks like that, then I'm like, damn, you know what sounds really good right now? Fucking Oreos or something ignorant. Um, yeah. But people also don't realize like, especially like in a prep scenario, like sugar free still has a caloric value to it. Yeah, it and does. It does. Granted, I don't know that at any point in a prep, if prep is going effectively, should we be splitting hairs of three pumps of sugar free vanilla versus two? But at the same rate, if you're having a couple coffees a day and they're putting in six or seven pumps of sugar-free vanilla and stevia, I look at it just from like a digestive perspective. Like that's mm-hmm. probably going to cause some distress in a certain sense. So yeah, I, I always 
I always advise, especially towards the end of a show prep, making your coffee at home. Also, you save a couple bucks just to make sure that you have full power and control over literally every variable of your day. Yeah. If, if you're someone that likes coffee, um, buy an espresso, the Nespresso Virtuo specifically. You can get it at Target for like, I don't know, I think it's only like 200 bucks. Um, and it's a it's a bit of an up up cost or upfront cost rather, but you get your coffee pods for like eighty cents to a dollar ten, and after you know a couple months of making coffees at home, it's paid for itself and it's way fucking better than Starbucks. Way better. way way better. That's that's what I have now. Um, I've had it for like a year or so. I actually I bought it as a prep buy last year because I was a caffeine demon. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, I have my like three coffees a week and the whole time I'm drinking them, I'm just praying that it doesn't send me into a, a delusional downward like spiral. <laughs> yeah. Where I, I end up in a grocery store screaming at someone because yeah. they took the last chocolate rice cakes from me. You just like crawling up the ceilings. It's like an exorcism, you know? Yeah. It's, it's so bad. It's like I start sweating after I have too much caffeine so I, mm-hmm. if I have like two cups of coffee in a day, I end up cranking the AC down to like 61 and I'm just like wearing no clothes around my house, sweating bullets. It looks That's like hot. I just swallowed like a gram of DNP, <laughs> except I'm not dying. No, I currently, I'm currently sweating right now as I'm drinking this. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably vibrating. Your whole body is just rattling like a chihuahua. Brother, I am chasing that dragon right now. <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet, but by the end been, of this, uh, I got a C4 waiting on me too after this. Oh my and God. we're just, well, because listen, here's You're the animal. deal, dude. I'm high functioning chaotic, right? And I have got an extensive to do <laughs> list today, as we've already discussed, you and I have. And yes. it is dumb and stupid, but I'm flying out to Washington, D.C. tomorrow. And so I have just decided to just overload my work schedule. And then it becomes a game of like how, like I've been like sitting here this morning, like how much do I think I can get done in four hours before I have to like do other things throughout my day and run errands. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I know that I can do 15 updates, two new plans and three calls in this podcast all before noon today. It's nine o'clock. Don't know why, but I've just put this really unrealistic t- expectation of myself. Yeah, can you actually get that done before noon? <laughs> Fuck yes, I can, and I'm going to by God. And it's what I do, dude. Like I do that with training sometimes. Or like when I went back back in town to visit my family, I I forget who I saw. I saw someone pressing like the 150s at my gym, and I haven't done dumbbell press in three years now, two and a half years. It's been like late 2020, early 21. And I was like, I know that I could press those for sure. I haven't done it in a long time. And it sounds really fun. And so in my head, I'm like, you're going to do it. You should do it. Don't know why, but you should do it. And so I went and I was like, I'm going to do it. And I did it because I was like, Mm. curiosity is going to kill this cat. I just do it with work as well, where I'm like, I can get all of this done. I don't know why. And I will have a full work day done in three hours somehow, some way today. So do you... uh? Do you ever have you ever taken modafinil? I feel like we talked about it in the last podcast. I've, I'm just like becoming the spokesperson for fucking modafinil at this point. That's, I actually haven't taken it, dude. If you want, I can connect you with my clinic, and they'll yeah. they'll they'll write a prescription for you. Um, yeah. 
granted, I would not recommend more taking it more than like two times a week because otherwise you're gonna. I okay. Uh, listeners of the podcast, the as I say, not as I do. So the last like I've I've I have a pretty big or I had a pretty big pitch coming up, um, for some marketing work. So for five days in a row, I was taking two hundred milligrams of modafinil every morning, and over that time, I only accumulated about like ten or twelve hours of sleep total. Mm. Um, but the thing about modafinil is you feel fine doing that from a cognitive standpoint. Uh, but now that I'm on the other side of that, I am still playing catch up, and it's been like two days. Um, where I still don't feel sharp. I'm still just sleeping a ton. You guys can't see right now, but um, normally I'm doing the podcast at my desk. Right now I am fully laid back on the couch with the microphone laying on my stomach um, so that I don't even have to sit up. The tummy mic. Yeah, the tummy mic, as I called it earlier. So don't do that. (laughs) I've been wanting to tell this story because we were talking about Starbucks. So last spring I was in prep um, I was still getting a grip on the marketing work that I do. My coaching was picking up a bit. Um, and I was part of like a really time demanding um, clinical trial where I was helping run some human subjects through training. Uh, and it was, you know, it was just a lot on, on top of my classwork as well. I, I was in, I think like four, three or four classes. I forgot off the top of my head. But my buddy, shout out Tyler, um, was a manager at Starbucks around the corner from my lab. And if you guys ever go to Starbucks and you get like the nitro cold brew, usually they just give you like the baby sippy cup where it's like three swallows of coffee and it's like $7. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler would knew that I was like, had all this shit on my plate. Um, I would come in only when he was working and he would give me like the Trenta cup filled oh with the nitro cold brew. Fuck um, yeah. And he would just be giggling the whole time he handed it to me because he knows that I would drink the whole thing, which is, I don't want to look at the amount of caffeine in it because Mm -hmm. that alone might spike my heart rate too much right now. But then I'd go take a nap right afterwards. Like that should have been my sign that my prep was fucked. I was having like Mm. three grams of caffeine and then falling asleep at my desk. (laughs) Dude, I would. So my prep last year, um, and it was the year prior to what I started doing is I would get to the gym and I would take my pre-workout right when I parked and then I would recline uh-huh. my, I would recline my car seat and I would take a nap in the parking lot. And then yeah. as my pre-workout kicked in, it would wake me up and I would go train. Yeah. So there, there's actually some really cool research efficacy on that. It's coined the caffeine nap. So another cool, like a uh, little tip for you guys out there. If you don't have a lot of time to take a nap, but you're feeling tired, if you slam your caffeine really quick, like whatever, you rip your shot of espresso, like drink it as fast as possible, right? Lay down, set a timer for 20 to 25 minutes. The time that it takes for the caffeine to be um, digested, absorbed, and metabolized and start its actual function on you takes about 20 minutes. Obviously, it's going to depend on some like genetic factors, how much food you have in your stomach, whatever. But... 20 minutes of a nap is not enough to start entering REM cycles, but it is enough to cognitively refresh you a bit. So you kind of get the scenario of you get the nap in, you get the cognitive refreshment of that. And as you're waking up, the caffeine starts to hit you. 
So it's kind of like a one plus one equals three type scenario where you're not drinking the coffee and sitting around waiting for it to kick in and doing some shit work. And you're also not neglecting your nap time. So you get you know two for the price of one and you wake up, you feel tip top Magoo, you feel a million bucks and you can go about your day. See, and here well, that's, that's and a good one. I believe in math like that. One plus one equals three is how my brain mm-hmm. operates at all times. And I did that all of prep, which granted probably was a sign that probably prep probably wasn't going yeah. too good for me. But yeah, if you're if you're like not if you're sub five weeks out, that might happen. But if you're like eight or ten weeks out, you probably shouldn't feel like dog shit every day. Oh, I felt like dog shit at like twelve. Yeah, for those for those guys who don't know, Chris and I we kind of started our relationship by talking to each other about our preps and the issues that were going on with them. Actually, yes. I first reached out to Chris. I was coaching a, a girl that he was dating, and then I stopped coaching her. Chris and I remained good friends, probably to her dismay. Um, <laughs> and I, I reached out to Chris because I was worried about, like, I was very concerned about binging. I was very, very concerned about binging. And my concerns were correct because I did end up having a really bad binging yep. season thereafter. So he would talk yep. me through, like, his experience, things like that. And then Chris would ask me for my thoughts on, I think we talked a bit about binging, but then we were also just talking about like general states of well-being, peaking, things like that. So learn from us when you're reaching out to other coaches with your concerns about your show, your show prep or how you're going to be handled after that prep. Maybe it's me and Chris both moved on from our coaches thereafter. Yep. I would take that as a, a, a pretty big sign. I just had a girl work with me. Um, we'd been friends, you know, we had, we chatted back and forth every once in a while the past, I don't know, maybe a year or so. Um, she's transitioned from powerlifting more into bodybuilding. And she would just like pick my brain every once in a while. And she was getting some very weird responses from her coach. Like she told her coach that she had, uh, some bloating and then her coach said okay added metformin telmosartan all these other like uh, otc drugs or otc supplements rather not drugs for this girl who's a lifetime natural so if you guys know telmosartan unless you're having like active blood pressure like kidney issue telmosartan we just use as bodybuilders as like a prophylactic drug to make Mm -hmm. sure we don't run into issues and then adding in metformin because you have a, a stomach issue. That's weird. So she started messaging me about it, asking my thoughts. And I told her, I was like, look, I'm not trying to steal you as a client, but if you start asking other coaches about your plan, it might be time to, to move on to another coach. That's a better fit for you. Yep. And she knew that. I think she was just waiting for someone else to say that she ended up moving coaches. I mean, she did end up moving to me, but it's because she trusted that, I wouldn't just throw a bunch of shit at her for no reason. Yeah, that I that happened to me in 2021 with one of my really good friends that I coached for a very very long time. He had he had reached out to me because uh, he was prepping for the same show, and he was like, "Hey man, you know I've never worked with a coach before. I don't know what to expect, but like I I haven't had a he was natural right, and he's like I haven't had a free meal in 18 weeks of this prep, and like." 
talking about all of his biofeedback disarray. And he's like, my coach never talks to me. Like I see him at the gym and he won't speak to me. He's not responding to updates, yada, yada, yada. So I was like, all right, man, send me your updates. Like send me your most recent check-ins. And he was peeled to the gills at 10 weeks out naturally. And I was like- At 10 weeks? Dude, I'm telling you, bro, I'll send you, I'll text you pictures like glutes, walnut glutes at 10 weeks out. And I was like, nice brother, brother, you had, you were fucked. Right. And so I told him, I was like, Hey man, like I hate to be this guy, but it might be time to like, look for a different coach. Yeah. And then he like thought about it. And like, I was like, like I recommended a few local people and he ended up going with me and I reversed him into the show. Um, but that's, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a valid point. It's like, if you don't feel like the person steering the ship is even fucking looking at the water in front of you and you're having to ask other people, you should probably bounce. And that's, it's one of my biggest regrets, man. Truthfully, this last prep, like the whole prep, I was just like, I don't know how I feel about these judgment calls. And I was talking to you, which granted, like, yeah. I also want to make it like evidently clear Mike also and the two other coaches that I would talk to who I'm friends with, nobody would tell me to do anything different, right? Like nobody was like, no, you should do this. But I was reaching out to three coaches pretty consistently being like, does this make sense to you? And, but I I think we were sending each other check-ins like almost every day to one another, at least five times a week. We were sending pictures like, Hey, I sent this update and this is what I got back. What do you think? Yeah. Cause I was just like, I don't, I don't know. Like the whole time I was like, this doesn't yeah. feel right. Like it just wasn't. And I wasn't being asked the questions that I felt I needed to be asked at the time. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I was like giving you feedback. I'm like, dude, I don't know what the fuck's going on. And obviously like we see where that plan landed, landed for me. And that was directly into the fucking ground. Um, it was just like a strict <laughs> nose, nose dive at my first national showing, which was super sick. Um, it's going to be the comeback arc. It is. I think this is the year, man. I think this is, but this is kind of the transition point, right? Like w- kind of what we're going to talk about today as we've gone on a 20 minute rant of all sorts of things. <laughs> um, That's pretty Mike sure. and I, Mike and I put out a question box for you guys uh, of what, topics you wanted to discuss and we got a couple of very similar questions um regarding burnouts mental health those sorts of things um last year i had made a post about uh loving bodybuilding but not being in love with it anymore after my show um because i got super depressed and i went through a chapter of addiction in my life which i will talk more about in the future possibly, probably this episode, to be honest. And I burnt myself the fuck out from bodybuilding. And for like five months, it was the last thing that I cared about. Um, and I've done it a couple of times. Like I have, and it's something that I'm still trying to navigate. And it's usually because of show preps. Um, my first show, I gained 53 pounds in 21 days after my show from binge eating nice. and not having a rebound plan to follow from the coach I was working with at the time. Um, and then COVID hit and lockdown hit and I forced myself not to work out for four months. I didn't go on walks. I didn't exercise. I didn't do anything. I laid on the couch for four months because I was so depressed and I didn't know what the fuck to do. Um, and then my second show season, which is 2021, I did two shows and mind you, I won my first show and I got depressed. I won the biggest show in the state, 
and I got depressed because of it because I like mentally fixated on this one day for an entire year and I did a 33 week prep and it came and it went and I didn't know what the hell to do with myself because then it was yeah. gone. It was like a year's obsession just was gone. It's like, okay, now what do I do? Um, yeah. And it, combining with post-show binging and body dysmorphia and all these other things, it, it fucked me up really bad, like very, very bad. And then COVID hit and that lockdown was honestly like in my experience was a, a pretty good thing to happen to me because it forced me to just stop and like actually have to like navigate my emotions and feelings and thoughts because I was trying not to at that point. 2021, I did my second show season. I did about 30 weeks of prep. And after the show, I got burnt out from a business perspective because I was coaching full time as I, I mean, I've been coaching for over seven years now, but I was coaching full time and I had 57 people on my roster, but I didn't have any of the business tools, so to speak, that I have nowadays to be able to manage 57 people effectively. I didn't have office hours. I didn't have like one, uh, like, like single means of communication for everybody. I didn't have all these things. And I burnt myself out to the point where in September of 2021, I refunded about $20,000 and kicked everybody off of my team. I just said, I can't fucking do this. Damn. Dude, I couldn't fucking do it. I lost. I literally lost my mind in September of 21. And then I started running a dog rescue because I needed something different. And then I rebuilt coaching slowly but surely. And I haven't run into that issue since. And then last year, 22, I did a show that I had no business doing. I should not have done. And I probably knew that the whole time. I got done with it. And I embarrassed myself very heavily with my placing. And I got super depressed. I got back into partying. And... It's taken me a long time to kind of work my way out of it. I think November of last year was when I started falling back in love with the whole process of bodybuilding with coaching. I am nearly 100 days sober from hard drugs and shit, which is cool. Um, But I say all of this because burnouts, especially in a competitive realm, are somewhat likely to happen. And I don't necessarily want to manifest that for anybody or... Um, try to convince someone not to pursue, you know, I don't want to necessarily say a career in this, but pursue this passion due to the fear of that potentially happening. Cause I'm not going to say it's guaranteed, but I also talk about everything that I do because nobody talked about this shit when I was going through it. And so I felt really out of place going through these things. Like, why did I get depressed after my first show? I won the thing. Why did I get depressed after my third show? I won it. Like, I thought this was supposed to be great. I thought this was going to be awesome. And so I like to just proactively inform people of my experience to know that if these things happen, it's normal and it's okay, right? Versus just being like this dogmatic approach of like, you have to grind hard all the fucking time. No, you don't. At the end of the fuck, I wake up every day. Fuck that shit, dude. I hate, I hate that mentality. Grind culture is so corny, dude. It is. It's, it's, it's cheesy, dude. I get up at fucking eight o'clock every day, and I'm successful. I run two businesses. Like I, I, the fucking grind culture is so dunce. You see these guys. This is going to turn into a ramble. This is. I could, I could tell. I'm no longer having a podcast. I'm talking for me now. These guys that you went to high school with that they think you know. Olive Garden is a classy Italian joint. They're posting on Facebook and on you know whatever social medias they have talking about grind culture. It's like, hey, 
buddy, you wake up at 4 a.m. to go, you know, light up Twitter for a little bit, and then you go back to sleep in your mom's basement where you live. Like, you don't have to get up at 4 a.m. to be productive. I roll my ass out of bed. Sometimes it's 7 a.m. Sometimes I snooze my alarm until like 9.30. You could still mm-hmm. be productive. It's a, Time is literally a social construct that we just use to, to stop society from falling into disarray. You, what you do with your time is up to you. What's the difference between working from whatever, 4.30 in the morning until 4 p.m. and the difference between that and working from eight till eight you know it's the it's the same shit it just moved a little differently and then now i'm just not a miserable bastard waking up at 4 a.m it's it's so goddamn corny everyone that i see posting about jocko willink says get up at 4 34 shut the fuck up david not Goggins, that deep. bro yeah yeah like it, you're waking up at 4 34 to do what you go sit around you're gonna go lay on the couch what are you doing at 4.30 in the morning? Like, you work at Applebee's. Not that there's <laughs> anything wrong with working at Applebee's, but, like, you know, it, you, your job doesn't require you to be up that early. And if it does, that sucks. I worked a job for five years that I had to be up at 4 a.m. for. I was a Division One strength and conditioning coach uh, at, at where I, I did my undergrad and my master's. And I love the job. Do not get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not dogging the job at all. But there are some days where the – I was up at 4 a.m. probably three or four days a week. And then during football season, when I had a brief stint working with the football team, some days I'd be up at like 3.45 in the morning. There Mm -hmm. was no part of me that thought that that was cool. Every morning I'd wake up and I'd be like, God damn it. Why am I doing this? (laughs) And then like I have to go to sleep super early. It crushed my social life. Lo and behold, I'm much more successful now. And I wake up whenever I want and I, you know, whatever, I still work. I'm no longer on food stamps like I was back then. I don't mm-hmm. have an overdrawn bank account and four maxed out credit cards anymore. You yeah. can work hard any time of the day. God damn it. You don't have to wake up at 4 a.m. Dude, it's, it's exhausting. And I think like talking about the culture of fitness, I genuinely resent the idea of these people who are literally – show prep level precise 365 days a year. I think that is such an unrealistic expectation to set. And that is, and it's a fine line to draw as coaches, right? Because I do, right. Like I do expect my people to follow everything. I say 90% is what I expect, right? Because I expect human error, but I expect you to be on it 90% of the time. Most of the year, we take diet breaks, we take those things. Like, I implement those in intentionally, right? Throughout time, like holidays, we do diet breaks. Once we hit certain goals that we've already set, short, medium, long term, we take shorter breaks, right? We do all these things. So, I try to basically do that to proactively prevent a burnout from ever occurring. Show prep is obviously a different situation. That's like, hey, man, we got to put yeah. foot to the floor. Yeah. You can't, there's no room for fucking up. I want to say there's no room. There's very little margin of error. Like in the off season, I tell people like uh, for Christmas and Thanksgiving, eat dinner with your goddamn family. You know, eat yep. dinner with your family on Valentine's. Take your girlfriend out for her birthday. Take you take your girlfriend out on her birthday. If if it's if your boyfriend just got some whatever new job that he really likes or whatever, take him out to eat. Cook him something. Say you know, take your mom out to eat every once in a while. 
that's what the off season is for. It's literally part part of that. Like I, I, I don't know. Not every coach does this, and that's okay. I tell people in their off season if they have the ability to to have free meals. Some some people it's uh, once a month. Some people it's up to twice a week, depending yep. on their needs from a caloric standpoint, psychologically where they are. Like, I have a client right now where if I told her to, she would follow a meal plan to the gram year round. So she mm-hmm. gets two free meals per week because I don't want her to feel super fucking burnt out on bodybuilding. Yep. Yep. And the, similarly, some people, I don't program free meals because I know they're eating them anyway because they tell yep. me in their check-in. So yep. it, it, either way, you're kind of avoiding burnout in that situation. And I know personally, from a, from a coaching standpoint, from an athlete standpoint, you know, we, we like to get really hung up sometimes on these minutia of details. And while I think that's perfectly okay, it's, it's fine to make some food swaps in the off season. Like if your meal is supposed to be whatever, chicken breast, uh, white rice, and some fruit, and you swap it for a protein shake, a couple of rice cakes, and like one of those naked juices, you more than likely cannot articulate to me why that is a worse thing to have for one meal that week. Like it's mm-hmm. such, but having someone be bent out of shape at the fact that they didn't have their chicken breast instead, that's just going to add to this like psychological burden that we have with bodybuilding where we feel the need to be perfectionists all the time, because we do have those people that, you know, I applaud them for being able to be militant year round and being able to do that and say they enjoy it because it looks like they genuinely do. But God damn, man, like being absolutely perfect down to the gram of everything repeated every single day, that level of monotony is a lot of psychological burden for some people. Yeah. For most people, not some. Yeah. And I think that's why like I can only prep like once every other year because I can do it for, you know, 25 weeks, but then good fucking God, do I need a break afterwards? Right. Like having to do two a days on cardio and training and pose. And it's just like, and listen, I'm at the end of the day, I'm choosing to do all of this and I'm fully aware of that. But I also understand that like bodybuilding is a drug for me, right? Food was my first drug as a kid. And then obviously like recreational drugs were the next thing when I was a teenager. And now bodybuilding is like the thing that I've like, and obviously my work has kind of become a drug for me too. But I understand that like I'm an addictive, I'm an addictive person. That's who I am. I'm an addict at the end of the day. Yeah. And I have to, I have to have a vice at all times, no matter what it is. I've just been fortunate that I've learned to allow work to be a vice. And that's why I'm where I'm at in life. But I'm an addict. And I understand that like, how my addiction works is I will give everything to it until I hate it. And then I have to find something else. That's literally what my brand is enveloping is this neuroticness. That's what I'm fascinated by within myself because that's like ultimately what like gives me purpose. That's where die trying is. The whole notion of it was like that these passions that I have in life are all that have ever given me purpose and that purpose is what has kept me alive throughout my entire life of struggling with mental health and addiction. So why would I not be willing to die trying for those things? That's where it came from. Yeah. That was the conversation yeah. I had with myself. So 
I understand who I am as a person and it's a very much a double-edged sword and it's a very sharp sword where, yeah, I can prep for 33 weeks neurotically and be locked the fuck in and get like the masochist in me will push me to the extremes of time to get my glutes strided, right? But then I'm going to have about a six-month battle of regaining my relationship with myself, with food, with training, with life. And I just accept that as a part of what comes. I have two two chapters of life that I work through, and that's prep and then getting mentally stable after a prep. And that's why I don't prep all yeah. the time, you know? Yeah. And I think that's having that realization, right? Like I think the problem, like all of this is supposed to be a good thing for us, right? Fitness originally when I got into it was a great thing for me and training still is a great thing for me. And fitness has forever changed my life, right? Like I'm not the obese, insecure kid that I once was, and I get to do what I love for a living. So it's like, I will always thank fitness for that. Fitness is only healthy until it's not. And I don't necessarily think that bodybuilding is the most healthy thing for your- Oh, hell no. Bodybuilding is not good for you, bro. And it's 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 hypocritical, right? It's hypocritical because I'm choosing to do this. And part of me loves this shit, dude. But part of me also recognizes the toll that it takes on me in chapters of life. And it's something that I love and I condone and I advocate for in a certain sense, but then it's not because I will say it over and over. We are doing fake work in the gym to feel better about ourselves, to then self mutilate through a show prep to step on a stage and be judged by our peers. And what world is that yeah. fucking health? Right. But we still do it. Right. And that's where it's finding yeah. that line of like, where, where is this still mostly a net gain and not entirely a net loss? And that's learning how to prevent these burnouts from occurring where I don't think you need to train seven days a week or even six days a week. No, I don't five think is more you need than enough. Five is more than enough. In most cases, I'd argue four is far better if you do it right. You don't need to be doing three sessions in the gym a day. You don't need to be in the gym two to three plus hours a day. Like you don't, you don't have to. As somebody who's like figured that out and has you done probably that, probably shouldn't too. You probably shouldn't either. Yeah, you shouldn't, right? But like, <laughs> I've walked the fucking walk, and that's why I'm willing to talk this talk now because you don't have to. Like I will say with absolute certainty as somebody who in 2016, I was a th uh, all American thrower right in high school and I was training no bullshit three times a day, seven days a week. I took two full rest days in the entire year of 2016 and you know what I mean? I sustained more injuries than I can like count and I'm still paying the price yeah. for a lot of those injuries. I train four days a week right now, and this is the best that I've ever been. And like, yeah. again, you don't have to, it's, it's, I use this analogy. I can walk into my bedroom right now by simply opening the door and walking in, or I can keep that door closed and I can headbutt the wall beside my door repetitively until I've created a hole large enough that I can crawl into my room. Either way, I'm ending up in my room. One of them is going to be far more painful and take far more time, or I can just do it the most effective way possible. And a lot of times we struggle to realize because of this grind culture, David Goggins fucking bullshit, less can be more and less should be more.
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, milk, milk the most out of the least. Yeah. Um, another thing about about burnout that I think is is, is worth mentioning. It's. I don't want to make it sound like it might happen. It's going to happen. Um, and it's going to happen in more than just one facet of your life. So it can happen with bodybuilding or whatever hobby you, you have otherwise. Um, it can happen with relationships, whether that's romantic, platonic, or with your family. But it doesn't inherently mean that it's time to like jump ship. Like, I don't know, Chris, I'm sure you can, can relate to this. If you ever had like one of your friends come stay with you and you're, they're going to stay with you for a week and after the second day being around them all day, you're like, get out of my house. That's being burnt yeah. out on that person. That doesn't mean you dislike them. Same thing, I, you know, sometimes you go through romantic relationships and there's a period of time where you kind of just feel like you're, I don't want to say necessarily just cohabitating, but it's the, the relationship feels a little more transactional. And that doesn't necessarily mean you dislike the relationship or you dislike the person because there's external factors that are going to contribute to your burnout as well. Maybe your girlfriend is working a bunch of extra shifts and she's exhausted and you're studying for an exam and, you know, that's draining on you or you have some big project at work or whatever your issue may be. And the way that that stress is affecting you is you're not able to be your normal self with your partner. And sometimes that makes you feel a little burnt out in the relationship. That doesn't necessarily mean it's time to quit things and, and fucking move on. I mean, it, it could be an indicator of that, but that doesn't mean all the time. It most likely it's not. Um, and, you know, usually you just have to give things some time or rearrange some things. So if you find yourself being burnt out, it's you're, you're putting too much on yourself than that you can really handle. You can only tolerate so much, and whether that's stress, or whether it's training, whether it's relationships, work, whatever it may be. Just because you see someone else working X amount of hours or have X amount of gigs that they do to pay their bills doesn't mean that that's the expectation you should be able to set for yourself. Um, you know, like the people that talk about how they train two or three times a day, or like the bodybuilders that never miss and they're down to the gram of spinach year round. They're full-time fucking bodybuilders. That's all they do. They they should, to some extent, be the ones doing that. Most people that are going to be working with me and Chris, at least at this point in time, or listening to this podcast, we're not Olympia-caliber bodybuilders. We're not going to be able to say, well, I can wake up at the same exact time every day, have my meals at the same exact minute every day, down to the gram, I have a sauna and a cold tub in my backyard. I have all my cardio equipment in my guest room. Like, that's not a realistic expectation to, to hold to yourself. So if you do set that expectation and you can't adhere to it, that's going to burn you out so fast because you're setting yourself up for failure after failure after failure day in and day out several times a day. So usually with burnout, you have to do some kind of renegotiation of what does success look like for you? You know, do a needs analysis. Do you need to be doing all this extra shit? Is it manageable for you? Yes or no? Is the the benefit that it's giving you worth what it's taking away from you? Yes or no? And if you find yourself saying over and over again, well, putting myself through this mental ringer ends up having me feel pretty shit because I'm 
setting myself up for failure or it's so much that I am being overdrawn to the point that I don't have time for myself, then you need to reevaluate like what the parameters of success look like for you. Personally, I know like I can tolerate a ton of work stress. Um, I can juggle a couple different jobs and it feels fine for me, but I realize that that's not a standard that everyone can adhere to, to the same degree that I probably struggle with, you know, maybe personal relationships more than other people. And I get burnt out on personal relationships probably more than other people. And is that because my personable skills suck? Probably not. It's probably because I have other things that uh, are causing me quote unquote stress that it's affecting my ability to manage those relationships and burn me out on relationships and burn me out on a social life. If you ask my friends, I hardly come out of my goddamn house. It's like two or three times a month. They'll maybe see me outside the gym. Um, and that's about all I can tolerate before I start feeling burnt out. And that's not necessarily a good thing. It kind of just is what it is. And if you find yourself feeling burnt out, work, relationships, school, whatever it may be, renegotiate other parts of, of your life. Like for me, my career right now is really important. I have a lot of shit going on between school and work that I'm not willing to negotiate on other things. And if that means I have a smaller social life than your average 26-year-old dude, that's okay with me. Because I know if I try, because I have tried, to balance like a robust social life on top of what I'm doing, I just end up being a miserable pig and just being burnt out beyond belief. Uh, so that's it's something to keep in mind. If you find yourself feeling burnt out, think about what might be causing that uh, from an outside standpoint. It might not be bodybuilding by itself that's burning you out. It might be bodybuilding in conjunction with work stress, in conjunction with these standards you set for yourself, in conjunction with your shitty, whatever, social life that's leaving you unfulfilled because your friends aren't your friends and they, they suck. They just want to see you get boozed out all the time. Those are all yeah. things that I think you need to keep in mind as well. Yeah. And I think, I think a good point you brought up with that too is, I mean, assessing your value system in life, like what right. currently matters and has to matter the most. And then understanding that sacrifices are going to have to be made or things are going to be prioritized more, I guess, ag aggressively um, to ensure that occurs because like in your case right now, school and work are at the top of your value system, whereas mm -hmm. personal relationships might not be at the top. So therefore we can't put as much focus into those. You know, I look right. at this all like this mental bandwidth as like a line of credit. We all only have so much to give every day to our daily tasks, to our relationships, to our lives, whatever it may be. Excuse me, I have horrible indigestion. And so... Oh, maybe it's that massive fucking coffee you're drinking right now. On an empty tummy, dude. Um, probably. Yeah. I, I would say so. Um, but you... <laughs> so you have like a running list of all the things that you have to do every day and you can only tolerate so much. And I'm kind of in the yeah. same boat. Like this is a very busy chapter of life for me. I've got a lot of major projects going on. I... Right now, like I love bodybuilding again. So right now for me, work and bodybuilding are the two primary focuses for me. And that's a lot of where that's all where all of my stress kind of currently is specifically in these work projects. So I've accepted that I can't currently 
pursue personal relationships, like in a romantic sense, because it becomes like I inadvertently project in a sense where like one minor inconvenience occurs in a personal relationship and I immediately am too overwhelmed. And it's not right. the personal relationship that's causing the 99.9% of my stress. It's causing the 0.1%, which pushes me to 100. So I'm like, okay, yeah. I can't I can't g- pursue this until my stress has reduced by 30 to 40%. And then I can, I guess, sort of fill that void with a personal relationship, right? Um, and that's something that is hard to do. You have to sit down and say, okay, these are the five most important – these are – I had to do this in 2020, actually. I read uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. It's a pretty good book. I think he's like, the first chapter is a little bit annoying because I feel like the guy's like really trying to prove that he doesn't give a fuck. But like, there are valuable tools in it. And the biggest thing I learned was a, a value system where I sat down, I wrote the five things that I focused the most time in my day to. And then I wrote the five things that are the most important to me. And I saw if any of those lined up and very quickly I found out they didn't line up and I realized I was wasting a lot of time in the day on things that don't actually matter. And that helped me realign what I needed to focus on in life. And I think one thing too, you know, going back to fitness, bodybuilding, all those things, I've had a couple athletes kind of run into it recently. I had to do this last year after my show. I... Obviously, mine was a little bit different because I was going through a, a chapter of addiction, but I started only training when I felt I needed the gym. So I was training two to three days a week. I did that for about two, probably two, two, almost three months. I'd only train two or three times a week when I felt really excited about the idea of training. If I didn't immediately like grit my teeth, get excited about going to the gym, I wouldn't go. Only when I missed it. Nutritionally, I would eat like two to three meals a day. And I would be, I, I didn't weigh food for God knows how long. I just ate intuitively. And I did that Sweet for a long Panda Express, 7 Eleven Taquito Rollers. Bro, you know, Jimmy John's every day, baby. I was eating a lot che- of turkey chewing sandwiches. Chewing packs of cigarettes. <laughs> I was I was eating a lot of turkey sandwiches and protein shakes, right? And I would just eat what sounded good. And if it was like clean-ish, cool, I would do it. And then I started to miss the gym a little bit more. And so then, okay, I started going like three to four days a week. And then I started going four days a week consistently. And then I started increasing my meals. And then obviously through this, I ended up going getting sober. And that's when it was like, oh, shit. Like, I love this again because I was like getting super strong and taking care of myself and all those things. But it took time. And I've had to do this. You know, I did it in 2020. I, like I said, I took four months off of the gym entirely because of lockdowns. Once the gyms opened, I would go like three days a week. Because again, it's like we got to find first gear. Even if your first gear feels very remedial, if you can only go to the gym twice a week, go twice a week and make sure you're excited to be there. Yeah. Like make sure you're excited to be there and fucking go crazy. Have fun. And I would only do the exercises that I wanted to do. Some days it would be like, I would just go in and just deadlift. I would do like three work sets of deadlifts and I would leave. And I was happy because I did what I wanted to do that day. Um, But I did that for a long time. And that's what I found I had to do was like, what makes me happy and what makes me love this again? And then over time, it genuinely, it would titrate, right? Where now it's like, I miss the gym, but that's what I have my athletes do. I'm like, dude, if you 
aren't locked in consistently, if you have like a couple, like I usually say, if it's been like two check-ins of like subpar ish training, their numbers aren't really progressing. They aren't feeling too hot. One, I look at deloading, but two, I'm like, Hey, let's, let's take like three days off from the gym. Let's take enough time off where you miss the gym. And then let's take an additional day off in addition to that. Um, and eat intuitively, eat when you're hungry, eat what sounds good. Let's try to be smart about it, but let's just do this for a few days and make you miss it, miss the structure, miss those things. And then I have always found like, that is like, if I can catch a burnout at the first indication, which tends to be that, and let somebody for four to five, a long weekend, enjoy themselves and do as they Mm -hmm. please, it will forever supersede and progress will continue to progress. Like it will continue after that, right? You're not going to lose any gains in a week. Fuck no. Dude, I didn't lose gains in months, right? No. Like, Yeah, there's there's some literature that it shows you need 15 days of complete bed rest before you start seeing any measurable decay in contractile tissue. You're gonna, you might get a little flat, yeah. You're going to retain a little less nitrogen in your muscles. Uh, you're going to have a little less glycogen, maybe a little less water. But all, all that shit comes back within a couple of days of training and a proper diet again. I, I actually... For most people, I don't even deload them anymore. I tell them to take the whole week off at the gym. Mm-hmm. And most people want to fight me on that. And they say, no, I don't want to take the week off. I'm like, I don't care. Take the week off. Yeah. Because you, know, you end up missing it and you want to come back to it. And then, you, and it, like I said, you get back to it and you get the immediate gratification from it. You get excited. You get all of what it's supposed to fucking be. If training feels like a chore and you're having to take three scoops of pre-workout to even walk through the gym, it might be time to take a couple of extra days off. I promise you, at the end of the day, as somebody who has burnt himself out more times than I can count, just take the day off. Like, today's one of those days I have a lot to do, as we have already discussed, and I will get it done in two fucking hours, so help me God. But if I have other things that I need to do in the day, God, this indigestion's awesome. Um, if I have to do those things and other things are going to have to take priority, guess what? I might not go train today and I'm already at peace with that, right? Like training is a treat for me if I get everything done. And if I don't fucking sucks, man, I'm still taking four days off this weekend as I'm going to be traveling Thursday through Monday. And honestly, I'm kind of excited to take some time off, right? Like, you know, we're going to train together. It's going to be sick. But like beyond that, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I, I, one of my one of my clients right now, I have him on like a a very I don't want to say basic, but on on his split, I think he has like four four or five different training days, and it's not four or five different training days per week. I say train two to three days in a row, then take one to two days off, and that's because he's in his you know he's doing his master's thesis this semester. Uh, he is a graduate assistant for the university. He works on top of that. And to hold him to a standard of Monday, you have to do this. Tuesday, you have to do that. Wednesday, you have to do this. That's setting him up for burnout and setting him up for failure. You know, meet people where they are. Having to rotate your training days and rotate your rest days and stuff, it's not going to kill you. The psychological stress of, fuck, I just had this 10-hour day, but Mike tells me I need to go train chess tonight. That's going to do more damage to you than 
whatever you may miss in games because you took an extra rest day. You know, yeah. but the the burnout that you are going to avoid is far superior and far more beneficial. I'm going to argue that the cortisol is probably more is going to cause more detriment than the workout that you just had as far as like net gain goes, right? Where you're like, yeah. and, and that's why I've had like, listen, I, I prepped a girl last year, McKinsey, who was in dental school and working and I prepped her and she was very successful. She won one of her classes, got top three in the other ones. And she like, I had to teach her very quickly, like this game of auto regulation where she was checking in with me like two or three times a week. And some weeks I'd be like, all right, let's deload for the next three days or let's take, let's pull cardio for the next two days. And she's like, yeah, but and I'm like, yeah, it's going to work. I promise. I pinky promise yeah. it's going to work because it, it, in those cases, when stress is that high, fatigue is always that high. You are taking it day by day. Um, but like you said, it's meeting people in the middle. It's meeting them where they're at, where again, we are much like mental bandwidth physically as well. We are playing a game of fatigue and it is a line of credit. You only have so much fatigue you can give in a day physically and mentally. If yeah. you are somebody who works in construction 60 hours a week, you don't need to train six days a week because you can probably only recover from three. So let's do three. Right. If right. you work a sedentary job where you're at your desk all day, you can probably tolerate four to five sessions a week because you can recover from that. But training, the only training that's worth doing is the amount that you can recover from. Otherwise, you're not going to make progress. So what's right. it fucking worth? Like, yes, I understand it's fun, but at the same rate, I don't like when my central nervous system feels completely thrashed and I can't get, get another out of hobby. Yeah. Get another Literally hobby. Find, make, find something else to do. Make baskets, motherfuckers. It'll yeah. be cool. Or like play play video games, fucking join a book club, join an underwater basket weaving club. You know, do something. Get a dog, go for a walk, go to the dog park, something like that. Like if if you're only deriving joy from the gym, that's not good. You need to to have some other things in your life that bring you joy, some other activities that bring you joy because you're going to get burnt out on bodybuilding. And if that's the only part of your life that makes you very happy, when you're burnt out on it, you're going to be miserable. You're, you're going to be... a lot of trust. Yeah. Like, I'll just say, you're, you're just going to be an emotional and like psychological wreck. If bodybuilding is the only thing that you that brings you any semblance of happiness, when you're burnt out or if you get injured or you have to take some time off, you're going to be a miserable bastard. So find something else that you enjoy. Play some video games. Go download Minecraft. Start playing that or something. I don't know. Do what you want. But find something else we, to do other than just bodybuilding. We we all need outlets outside of this outlet because this outlet is doesn't always feel as if it is one, right? It is yeah. like for me right now, I'm building a Lego set and it's awesome. And but you and I also tell people too, while we're on the subject of mental health. G the gym is a good outlet in a certain sense to let off some steam and everything else and to put a lot of focus into it doesn't supersede going to fucking therapy jesus christ yeah the, the amount the of gym is not your your therapy the gym is not your I, therapy. it is therapeutic I, sure yes it can but, be right it can be it can, it's very volatile yeah. it can be either or right it can be very yeah. good for you or very bad for you 
it's also why I go to therapy separately from this, right? Yeah. Like, it it's worthwhile to go. If you don't think you need therapy, you probably still do. I guarantee it's it's yeah, only you know. to me as somebody who goes, um, it's only worth doing, even if you feel like it's not. It is beneficial. Yeah. It's only going to help. I mean it's I, I try to think of it and I, I hate when people use like comparing the human body to a, an inanimate object, but think of it similar to like uh maintenance on a car. Do you only get your oil changed? once your engine erupts into flames on the freeway or do you do routine maintenance and get your shit looked at? Why do you think about therapy or journaling or meditation any other way? Don't wait for the problems to arise. Get check in with yourself every once in a while. And be like, oh, I feel this is building up. Maybe I should do something now rather than I'm going to wait until I am miserable and I enter a delusional state of psychosis in the gym and I start chewing out my girlfriend because I'm on low carb or I'm going to yell at my boyfriend because I have to do two hours of cardio or I'm going to get fired from my job. Yo, yep. don't let that kind of shit happen. And looking at it from like any excuse that you want to use, like I see my therapist for 30 minutes, usually to an hour once a week. I have the time to do it. We all do. Um, and also like from a financial perspective, it's $60 a session. Uh, whereas my therapy, quote unquote therapy, used to be going out and drinking every weekend, which cost me far more every weekend than spending $60 once a week, right? Like yeah. it's just a matter of valuing that. And it's like, well, I don't know where to go. Go to betterhelp.com and find a therapist. That's what I use. I had to go through a few to find the one I like, but it's not hard. It's very accessible. It's not time constraint. It's not a huge time constraint. It's not a financial detriment in most cases. Most insurance it's an investment. It's an yes. investment. Yes. Go to therapy. It's fucking worth it. As someone who goes, Dude, please God. It would have been such a sweet you know how every podcast has a better help yeah. sponsorship. Yeah, you know, we have like six listeners, but it would have been so <laughs> sick. If you're like, go to betterhelp.com slash the collective pod. That would have been such a sick plug, but no, we're not there yet. Soon enough, yet. me and Chris will be in Dubai with Saudi oil princes uh, recording in a luxurious studio, but that's at eight weekly listeners. Right now we have uh, six. So yeah, so if you can leave us mom, a five, yeah, if you, if you, if you can leave <laughs> us a five star review on Spotify and refer us to a friend, we'd really appreciate it. Um, yeah, we're, we're trying legs. to make it out. Yeah, you. Yeah, we're trying to get out these streets, dude. Yeah. Use code <laughs> legs to save ten percent at checkout, please, God. <laughs> yeah. Help, help me and Chris get out these streets. Our our comfortable upper middle class homes, where we sit behind a computer and work for a living. We're from the streets. Behind, it's it's the rat race, my brother. All right, you wouldn't get it, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. But but no, it's it's one of those things, man. Like I think. And listen, I'm the king of it. Ask anybody in my daily life. I I don't give myself time, like a break. And I'm, I'm actively trying to do it now. Like getting my work phone has helped my mental health a lot. Investing a little bit more into like a more productive space in my apartment has helped a lot. Yes. And actually scheduling time off where like Saturdays yes. and Sundays, I do my absolute best not to work. I do my absolute best. I still work some. I, I will work every day until I die. And I know that, and that's fine. But I'm not allowing myself to work 70 hours a week like I've spent a lot of my life doing. I work right. 
I work 50 hours a week now and that feels a little bit better to me. Um, yeah. And, and that's something that like I've, I've, it has taken me years, years to figure that out. And I'm finally starting to see the positive gain where now I can be in my space and not be stressed all the time. And yeah. now I have a man- manageable workload that I'm okay with and I'm happy with. But I've also learned too where like I kind of have all of my eggs in the current basket and I can't keep throwing eggs in it. So it's like I my focus right now is kind of being a monk and I have zero social life. I go to the gym and I work and that's the space that I allow myself to occupy and I don't expect anything more of myself. Like currently I am like from a bodybuilding perspective, I am eating still pretty intuitively. I know roughly the macronutrients I eat on a daily basis. Some days it's less, some days it's more. It just depends. And miraculously, I am probably the best I've ever looked in an off season. So Mm. it's crazy. Almost like stress is is not good for you all the time. Apparently it is not. And that's what I'm having to learn. And again, it's like, I hate to say it because I'm a hypocrite. Give yourself some fucking grace, especially like I have a lot of people on my team who are general lifestyle people, general nutrition clients who treat this like a show prep. And I love seeing it. I really do. It like, it makes me excited. It brings me joy. Just seeing like people just fucking obsessed. Right. Cause that's what I'm trying the, the culture that I'm trying to instill in my team, mm-hmm. but also understand like, like we've talked about if your meal is chicken and rice and avocado, you can make a turkey sandwich and still be successful. You know what I mean? Like there is, and I try to implement that in my plans, like this, this room for flexibility, because this is a game of when you burn out, not if, and what can we do now? Longevity. To prevent it. Yeah, exactly. This is, listen, if you want to be a successful bodybuilder, here's the simple fact of the matter. If we are taking genetics out of this conversation, the best bodybuilder is the person who's done this the longest for the longest mm. injury free with the least amount of time off. So do you think training full tilt seven days a week is going to turn you into Dexter Jackson as he was the oldest winningest bodybuilder in history? No, the dude had his game set up for longevity for a reason. That's why he was the old, he was winning shows at 56 years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's obviously an extreme example, but that's the case of the matter. I've been training for 10 years to win regional shows. Like right. this takes time and you need to learn to love as this as often as you can in order to get to that destination. If that's where you want to get, like if, if you want to be just Joe Schmo fucking trend twin bullshit, then yeah, train yourself to death, but you're only going to do this for a couple of years and then you're going to quit. Yeah. And you're going to go find something else. You'll, to you'll train till you're 28 how- and then be burnt out. And then, you're going to be that guy at the YMCA that's, well, I used to do this. I used to deadlift 500 I, for 38 reps. Dude, I love those people. I live for them. They're like, dude, I used to bench 500. I'm like, I fucking bet you did. I, bet I you haven't did, even buddy. benched 500. <laughs> yeah, it's like, have fun, Papal. Yeah. Have a good time. I'm sitting there flirting with 19-year-olds, you know? It's super sick. That's like a whole demographic that actually is very prevalent every what? gym i go to there's uh, at least three the the, the gym old head dudes who are yeah they're late 40s early 50s still take trend consistently but don't diet 
and talk about what they used to do and flirt with 19 year olds or try to flirt with 19 year olds. What they do is they just creep out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're like, yeah, it's always gross. You it's remind me of my granddaughter. And- <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, that was solid clothes there, buddy. That really bagged one. that one. I, I, I will <laughs> say the, the the average gym boomer probably ap- approaches more women in one day than I have in my entire life at the gym. I've never approached a woman at the gym. No, I'm too scared. I can hardly never. make eye contact with women. No, I can't. I'm I stare at the ceiling Actually, and flick my fingers. I did I I have approached a girl in the gym once. And it was because she was wearing um, Jordan 1s, the mocha brown pair. And I I called her crazy for wearing them at the gym. I said, I don't know how you can do that in here. You're crazy fat. And then I walked away. I I wore my black cats to the gym like two days ago. Yeah, and I DM'd you right away. (laughs) You did. (laughs) You did. My my training partner, literally when I got out of my car, he just went, nuh-uh. I was like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. This was a dumb purchase, and I'm really proud of it. But I wear my mochas to the gym. Yeah, Not often, but I do. You're crazy for that one. I just I wear them on leg days because I usually like take my shoes off for like any of my compound movements. Anything with suede, I'm not wearing to the gym. That's fair. That's because some guy knocks over his pre workout and a little bit gets like it splatters on so the suede. The shoes are fucked. There's no coming back. They're cooked. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm stabbing him in the throat. Yeah, I'm getting ejected from the gym because I'm going to go into (laughs) a verbal tirade and uh, I'm going to get kicked out and my membership will be revoked. Well, I I do put like shoe protector on, but I know that doesn't do a whole lot. I just be raw dog with my shoes, dude. But I, I also am a firm believer, even though I know we're talking about, you know, mental health and stuff. Wear your fucking shoes. guys. Yeah, wear them. God damn it. I love wearing my shoes, dude. I'm proud of them. I know how much money I've spent on a lot of these shoes, and I get really happy every time I put them on because I'm like, this was cool. I know what it took for me to earn these, right? Yeah. Um, I need to I need to get more shoes as I've missed every sneaker raffle for about three months now. I've not hit on a single fucking thing. We could have a four-hour podcast about shoes and the sneakers app, to be honest. If you guys <laughs> are six listeners ever – just want to gift either of us anything. I wear a size 12 and a half or 13, depending on the model. I'm a 12. Mike, what size do you 12 wear? across the board. Perfect. Perfect. So just send us some shoes, please. Yeah, or or send, send personally, send me exotic diet drinks from around the world. That's, I think that's the endeavor we need to pursue. I will start reviewing them for the first few minutes of every podcast. We will do this. We will do this for you guys, for all six of you yep. out there. I will sacrifice for you, and I will drink exotic soda to tell you how it tastes. <laughs> Please. I will say, if you haven't had it yet, the strawberries and cream, Dr. Pepper, is crazy. Uh, I was going to say, in, in October, I had a Japanese monster that was a, a four-ounce glass bottle. And it was Ooh. an insanely strong flavor. And there must be some other kind of stimulant in it because I I was going fucking bananas after having it. I was so unwell. F- I, I, I felt so stimulated, but not in a way that I was about to like start freaking out. But I, I there must have been some kind of 
a light sprinkling of Adderall or something in it because I was on another level as far as my ability to pay attention to things. I was at brunch. It was, with, it was for one of my friend's birthdays. So there's like eight of us at brunch. I'm like listening to every conversation in the restaurant. I'm picking up on everything. I know about the guy arguing with his mom. He's giving his girlfriend an ear beaten about how much he hates his mom. I'm picking up on it. He's talking about his childhood drama. I hear the, the guy next to me talking about whatever the club they went to last night. And I picked up on all of it after the, the four ounce Japanese monster. I, I guarantee ingredient one was just ephedrine, <laughs> just ephedrine. It's like ephedrine, teacrine, and caffeine. That's one through three. Yeah, that'd be salt is, and just like a sprinkle of crack, just like a little bit, you know. But yeah, do we have? Do you have any other tidbits of wisdom today, Mike? Um, no, don't eat Five Guys. That burger joint. Whoa, 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 whoa. Chris, don't get whoa, me whoa, started. Whoa. Don't whoa. Get me, Chris, I'm going to start screaming. No, 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 no. What? Five what? Guys is the worst commercial burger spot in the country. I will have to disagree no, no, only no, no, because... No. The guy... No, Chris, I'm talking now. The If you're someone <laughs> that likes Five Guys, you're also the kind of guy that wears sunglasses on the back of your head and will yell at your wife in public. The, no, the those same are people person. who shop at Buckle. At no, where? they shop at Buckle. At Buckle. The fuck is that? Um, oh, it's a what berry. Can, you should look at the backwoods store. Do you have in Tennessee, bro? <laughs> Dude, it's called Buckle. It's where racist people for sure shop. You yeah, know, like those also crazy you know, like, guys, probably. You know those like Paisley Cross crazy shirts that yeah, like yeah, the yeah. stereotypical like tap out douchebag wears. Mm-hmm. That's what Buckle sells for adult men. Um, it's awesome. So. The only reason, and I'm going to say they're not my five guys is not my favorite. I'm a, I am personally a Shake Shack or Burger Five man myself. But one of the reasons that I do like five guys is because they don't have freezers in their locations. So literally all of the beef is brought in fresh every day. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. Oh my God. It tastes like, <laughs> it tastes like dog shit. You pay $30. All they do is just give you this disrespectful, soggy, greasy burger Fries aren't even crispy. They're just filled with peanut oil. The only thing worth getting out of Five Guys is a milkshake. The milkshakes are tremendous. Last time I had Five Guys, I fed it to my dog after two bites because it was terrible. And then I went to McDonald's and got a cheeseburger instead. Whoa. No, dude. Dude. dude, at, At Five Guys, the only reason you should be going there is because you want the cashier to ash a cigarette on you. That's it. That's 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 it. If you if you go to Five Guys and you that's your preferred burger joint, never speak to me. If that's your if if you have a free meal and you're like badass, my free meal is going to be Five Guys. Never speak to me. Okay, I I won't say that it's mine. It's not. Yeah, this would be this would be the last episode of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, guys, thanks for listening. All six of you, we just had a falling out. it's just like it doesn't cross my mind to eat there, but like it I should, have, it should never. And it's, it, I don't think it's that. I just feel like, dude, it dude sounds you pay like, like twenty. You, you pay like twenty-seven dollars to get this shitty burger. I'd rather go to McDonald's and just get a quarter pounder deluxe with cheese. That you, it's consistent. It's good every time. 
fucking five guys, and it costs a quarter of five guys. One of my clients yesterday tried saying that she got five guys for eleven dollars. Said all they'll do for eleven dollars. Yeah, thank you. I called her out. Said all they'll do at five guys for eleven dollars <laughs> is spit on you and tell you to leave. Dude, what? I just want to know the five guys location that you go to because it sounds like a movie, dude. Yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna get. We need this. We need. Okay, we need to end the podcast. I'm gonna get too agitated. I'm gonna be too worked up. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. <laughs> All right, guys. So on that note, thank you for listening today. We really do love and appreciate all six of you. If you could take time out of your day, leave us a five-star review, repost us on Instagram, give us a follow. Uh, Mike, where they, where can they find you? Yeah, my Instagram, it's at mike.ryan.white. And mine is cp.legs, or you can find me at team die trying. Um, and until next time, guys. Thank you for listening to The Collective. Thank you, guys.